All right, I'm sitting here at Afterburner Brewing here in Terre Haute, Indiana, and I got the four co-founders here for a fun conversation today. Thanks for doing this, gentlemen. Cheers. Cheers, man. Cheers. Let's Cheers. start it all off. There we go. Mm. Well, good. Well, I appreciate you guys doing this, and one of my favorite jump-off points anytime I do any of these sit-downs is to kind of get a flavor of your origin story. Um, and you guys have a very interesting one, so I'd like to see how and hear how you know Afterburner came about and how you guys met and all that jazz. So, what do you got? Well, the <laughs> I'll start it off there. I guess we'll just go on. Uh, we all met in the military. We were all part of the uh, 181st uh, Intelligence Wing out there. It, it changed over from the 181st Fighter Group, uh, all ranks club out there. Uh, which is an on-base uh, facility very similar to this. Volunteer, we'd all volunteered to run it at, at one time. We worked together, and it's kind of where we got into, uh, we were all home brewers and decided, you know, someday at some point, and, <laughs> the, and here we are, so. Yeah, yeah, we, um, it was just kind of our place to go at the end of the day. You know, didn't have to go out to, you know, the, the bar, but we had our own little place on base, and, you know, we'd kind of go there, and, you know, that's where, at least personally, that's where I got more into craft beer, um, and then, you know, maybe eight-ish years ago, uh, kind of started doing a little bit of home brewing, and it just, you know, got out of control from there. <laughs> in a good way. Yeah, yeah, in a good way, yeah, <laughs> finally. Yeah, there you go. Now, with all you guys being veterans, how does that military experience shape what you want the client experience to be for the patrons that walk through your doors? Well, obviously, since, uh, since we are veterans and we, we mostly identify with veterans and first responders, and you know, some of the things that we did and saw while we were uh, on active service, is kind of, it's, it kind of relates to you know, the first responders and the veterans. It's, Something you can't really explain to somebody that's not been mm -hmm. or done it or seen it. Um, it's just kind of a like an unspoken kind of respect, I guess, and acknowledgement. Um, but that said, you know, we want we want everybody to enjoy our beers. Uh, we 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 definitely identify with the military vibe, uh, first responders. <clears throat> so I think that those folks will probably um, embrace us a little bit a little bit differently. Uh, but the the local populace is you know just any anybody that loves good beer and just uh, loves to come hang out in a cool space. Uh, I think you know I, I think we're we're open and we we want all of that. So it's you know we're not obviously exclusive to to veterans and first responders. So but I think they do probably identify a little bit more closely with us and kind of what our goal is. Longer term, I think we'd like to be able to give you know to. Once we make a little bit of money doing this and this place is paying for itself, be able to give back to, you know, some of those causes, uh, you know, the, the veterans, veterans causes, first responders, uh, you know, wounded war, that kind of stuff. So, I think, you know, uh, actually even our first beer out the door was a collaboration that was a, uh, uh, where we had donated proceeds, uh, uh, strength was the name of the beer and we did put the, Backstep uh, Brewing Company out in Crawfordsville, and they're uh, some yeah. firemen, and uh, we worked with them and, and for uh, suicide prevention. And so 
right out, you know, our very first thing out the door. <laughs> we had been penny the, one, and we were. Yeah. <laughs> so. Part of the Who's Your yeah. Buddy project, which right. kind of took a back. They didn't really do it last year. We're hoping to revitalize that and kind of encourage uh, other Indiana breweries to, to get involved with that. And that was a, it was an Indiana, uh, I mean, project or, or uh, I guess, in, started here. So not here, but. I can't remember if we started it. Somebody over in Indianapolis, one of the breweries mm-hmm. there, had a friend that committed suicide, and we're like, let's do something to kind of help raise awareness for suicide prevention. And so, um, obviously, that was a, a cause that we uh, identify with pretty closely. You know, being military, that is, uh, there's a there's a a higher number of military veterans that commit suicide. Than, uh, than the general populace, and it's something that we obviously identify with pretty closely, and we wanted to uh, to support and uh, kind of help raise awareness for that. So that's fantastic, man. That's that's great. Um, you know, another one of my favorite questions that I always like asking is obviously you can see, you know, the theme of the particular brewery that's emblematic in the names of the beers, and you guys got an interesting looking taps over there, and. Your names of your beer are very military focused. So, how do you guys draw? What's your process to coming up with the names of the beer that make your lineup? <laughs> Most of the time, we're just sitting here uh, doing this. <laughs> and, That's a great uh, way to so, do it. Yeah, yeah. So we got we got a lot of really good names that are um, they're kind of we're saving those for a special day with a lot of them are inside jokes. Uh, but for our core lineup, we had to pick things that are kind of like core. Um, core phrases that are associated with the flying wing in particular mm-hmm. um, and uh, if we haven't spoke bingo is a bingo is a fuel state needed for recovery so that's when you got to bug out and go home mm. a hangar queen's a jet that's kind of perpetually broken <laughs> you know midnight is a loss of uh, command and control that's a nine and a half percent Imperial Stout. So, mm. <laughs> couple yeah. of those, names. Couple of those, yeah. Aptly named for sure. <laughs> and then we have a Splash. Splash is a, when you observe a bomb hitting its target. So it's kind of a hot bomb, but it's a little pale ale. That's uh, what he's drinking right now. Yeah, That's it's delicious. Favorite. Very fresh. <laughs> Very fresh. Mm-hmm. Then we got, you know, Maka is our um, house IPA. Um, Maka obviously is, you know, speed of sound. So. Sure. Um, with that one, it was kind of easy to play on. We've got, you know, Mach, and then we've got Mach 2. It's like a double IPA. And then um, down the road, we have plans for Mach 3. But, you know, just kind of playing catch up on getting the tap, <laughs> getting the taps filled and, yeah. you know, ha- having enough beer to operate. Uh, once we can, I guess, breathe a little bit, we'll, you know, dip into some ideas on brewing Mach 2, or Mach 3, rather. Um, right. Even with the our our dry stout, which we just put on, we did a small batch of it. It's uh, it's Joker, and uh, Joker obviously being March Leprechaun is kind of a practical Joker, but mm-hmm. Joker is also a fuel state. Just before you hit Bingo, you're a Joker, so you've got uh-huh. time for a little one, bit more, more maneuver, a little bit more yeah, play time, yeah. or or maybe <laughs> maybe reach the warning and then Bingo. Yeah. Your point. Yeah. Call. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe a, a radio call if you're. You're when you say that phrase, everyone knows you're not you're not going to be around much longer. Yeah. You got to go. <laughs> so that's and and in the future, and hopefully, you know, once we get caught up, like Dustin said, we can on our menu we'll have a little QR code where you can scan it, and it kind of goes to, and gives the backstory behind the beer uh-huh. name, or whatever. Because like we're doing, you know, we like to educate people. Obviously, we're you know 
acronym military and well uh, probably every industry a lot of acronyms a lot of a lot of words that mean things that don't you know that are different so we want to be able to kind of help educate the whoever comes in and and oftentimes if there's a story behind the beer um it's it makes the beer a lot i don't know if it makes it taste any better but it's a lot more <laughs> yeah. so uh, our, uh, our our asb wasn't uh, it's, it's named Botter. It's uh, after a Royal Air Force pilot, Douglas Botter, and he has a, an exceptional story, and uh, just kind of embodies the idea of being a, a kind of service before self mentality. Yeah. And uh, he just had a cool story, so we named a, the, one of the most traditional English beers you can probably make. We decided to name it after somebody like him. So there's a may not be a brevity term necessarily, or or anything like that, but tell a story about somebody right. give a little bit of insight to different parts of the, the, the culture that we've lived in for so many years okay. and craft beer has crossed so many other cultures and like we want to want to mingle with everybody and kind of share our side of, or give some insight to, mm. to what we've done that's a great idea that's a great idea providing the background on I it. mean and, and people love it like you know we had some Air Force vets in the other day and we they drinking a beer and we, were, we told the story and you know these are guys in their 60s and 70s and they're like I have never heard that story before but I mean it's a it's a remarkable story and you know something that sometimes you just kind of happen upon things sometimes you were force fed it by training <laughs> whatever you got to learn about the oodle loop <laughs> you know you got to learn about it so anyway it's it's a, it's pretty neat and, and it just kind of you know it's just something that makes us a little different that's fantastic. Well, you all have what you said as a, as a homebrewing background. I always like to ask, what was the first craft beer that hooked you? Uh, that maybe expanded your palate for the first time? Because as people that have heard me on the podcast before, when I was in college, it was all about getting a case of natural life for thirteen ninety nine at the local <laughs> store. And then, and then I had a fat tire for the first time. And I'm like, yeah. oh, what the hell is this? And then leads me down to Sierra Nevada and yeah. then to some of the English browns and all this stuff. So what was it for you guys? For me, I, I started homebrewing when I was at Indiana University in 2002, and I, I really liked, I liked Bass Pale Ale. Mm. Um, couldn't afford to buy it, you know, as a, as, a, <laughs> yeah. as a poor college student. But then shortly after that, I was still homebrewing, moved up to Northwest Indiana and had Robert the Bruce for the first time, and I was like, mm. whoa, that was a game changer. Like, mm. that was a, I mean, it still is a fantastic beer. Sure. My palate's changed a little bit, but it's it's still, like, got to be one of my favorite scottish ales it's it's out there so robert the bruce is it for me probably mm-hmm. oh it's a tough question um <laughs> you know I, I remember drinking um fat tire early on um i don't know that that's the beer that kind of like woke me up to craft but i remember that you know certainly outside of you know the, the bud lights and the you know the macro beers um yeah i don't know i i would say that or probably something from stone oscar um, blues was or oscar yeah, blues was big that when we were getting good night yeah good night from oscar 50, blues was yeah. one of those early beers that i kind of would scoop up every chance that i that i got i'd, I'd buy that beer um mm-hmm. it's it's such it's still if they make it i think you know maybe seasonally now but um it's probably still a good beer, um, probably still a great beer, but I, I would say 
probably something from Stone or Oscar Blues was mm-hmm. kind of really where I started on in uh, craft beer. Yeah, Arrogant Bastard really uh, yeah. had a oh, very yeah. full yeah. flavor yeah. for some of yeah. that from Stone. Yeah, I love the just love the story that the you know the <laughs> the little story on there. You, know, yeah. you, probably, you probably won't like this. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like I don't uh, care. I mean, it's just kind of that was the mentality, like yeah. in your face, like you know, we're going to brew what we want. And that's mm-hmm. similar with Oscar Blues. You know, the you know the ten fifty is like you know f the industry, we'll do it ourselves. You know, that's <laughs> so it's yeah. like. That's kind of a kind of cool part of the the beer culture, and we still drink our cheap beer. Uh, yeah. I mean, this this yeah. place was built on hams and bush light. Yeah, yeah. so <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's a shame. Because when I was younger, I just had to steal hams from people. Yeah, it's still pretty cheap. It's pretty cheap. We need a lot of homebrew time or small batch time in the last you know two and a half years until we you know as we're getting this place going so. Yeah, Hams and Bushlight have certainly, um, they're equally responsible for making sure this place happens. <laughs> uh, and on the, on the, the tight schedule that we had it. Yes, and the tight <laughs> schedule that we had, yeah. yeah. How about you two? Oh, uh, for, I don't know, being in the sphere of, in the sphere of the realm of three Floyds, obviously you can't deny what they were, were, were doing at the time. Um, I mean, zombie dust was something you had to have. Alpha King, permanent funeral, dreadnought. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of my first homebrews. I, I mean, I named them after you know uh, those those beers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, like uh, I, my my first attempt at a zombie dust was called uh, Living Dead Girl. <laughs> uh, and, Great uh, name, you know, and stuff like that. Just <laughs> dreadnought was a D twenty eight. I like to play music. That's a but I mean, th- those were huge hop influences, and then uh, I've always liked uh, Old Rasputin, the, the mm-hmm. mm. uh, North Coast uh, brewing, and, and, and that's that kind of changed my approach to what stouts could be. And being commercially available it made it pretty easy to uh, easy to come by. It's still it's, it's still, still a good shelf turd, man. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's like I, I bought I bought a couple four packs within the last couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. So so I mentioned three floors when I was still wholesale, and I would. I would route my Chicago trips to come back through Munster on Wednesdays where I could get my two cases of zombie dust. <laughs> yes. yeah. You couldn't get it anywhere right. around my neck of the woods. If it did, it was a six pack here, or you know, you'd be lucky to get a you know, a single two bottle. Yeah. 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 So uh, you know, it's it's just crazy how that you know, that time frame and yeah. you know, because back in the day, I mean there's I mean we've gone from what, like forty breweries here in Indiana at the start of the 2000s and now there's over 180 so it's, awesome. it's crazy to see how this community in indiana has kind of and fostered good, up and some good ones too yeah. i mean the craft beer awards uh, indiana did pretty well i mean yeah. we had some good breweries mm-hmm. we actually it's kind of funny you said that because we had butch reroute his trip from wisconsin to here through so he has to go through savoy illinois and pick up a case of triptych he's a he's a he's a he's a we think alike yeah, 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 right. beer lovers think alike yeah absolutely. <laughs> quite a smoky and the bandit kind of thing you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know like a truckload, but yeah, a couple flats. <laughs> Very nice. Good it's a great, it's a great pit stop. Very nice. What was yours, Butch? Uh, you know, same. Uh, gosh, I started with bass. Was kind of what if I have to think back. I know there was more, but I remember um, 
when I finally could get hold of bass, I'd do it. But then I do work out of Chicago uh, from my real job. I hate to say, <laughs> one day this will be my real job. Okay. But uh, I too would drive up to Chicago, uh, work out of O'Hare uh, for an airline. I'll just put it. <laughs> and, uh, and I too would stop at Munster. You know, back in the day, uh, we had put on. Uh, we got hold of some three Floyds back in the day when. Even to this day, if it hadn't changed, I know that we would get kegs of three Floyds out at our club on base because yeah. we were one of the early customers. These guys, you know, got so hence even bars in town would go, we can't get it. how you guys get it. Yeah. <laughs> well, we were just one of the early customers. But yeah, I, I would too. I would stop through there. And so I'd have to say three Floyds is probably the biggest influence on, you know, when I really went, this is what it could be, you know. Yeah. When I've been up in Chicago sitting reserved <clears throat> for my work, Goose Island is up there. Mm-hmm. So you, obviously big places, but you go in and go, this is all like a brewery theme. It really kind of set the tone, you know, even early back then. But, uh, so, I, yeah, I, and I've had a chance to be around. So, it, yeah, like, I, uh, I have, there's a chance I'm going to go to Athens next month. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's a great uh, little brewery there. <laughs> there's something home for us. So. Nice. Uh, now, you yeah. said influences, and that leads me to my next question. As you guys were kind of planning and bringing this idea to fruition, is there any specific breweries that inspired you? And if so, who and why? I, I, I did the inspiration to do this the way we want to do it was, it's kind of self-generated, but um, the, the approach to hops nowadays in the craft beer industry kind of uh, is, is like a major driving force, at least in the way I changed my brewing style. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of those you find in the New England area, and mm. that's where all that craze came from. Which, sure, true. Um, that's probably true. the biggest uh, biggest fault was ever calling them IPAs or pale ales, yeah. unfortunately, because uh, your your traditionalist doesn't think they kind of compare to your old school West Coast IPAs. But those those they inspirations don't. they don't. <laughs> well, but, uh, to call them to call them the same is not not really fair to uh, fair to how they're how they're presented to people and they've, they've opened up a whole nother world of hops to people that right that west coast didn't do because they were too bitter for a lot of folks mm. so now these are these are a lot a lot more delicate a lot in yeah. the approach and the, all the, those breweries like uh um, the, the alchemist and missile brothers and treehouse tree house and Monk-ish. all those yeah all the old yeah on the west coast but, but yeah those those places were you wanted to make beer use hops in the same way they were doing you try to anyway yeah they're the, they're the godfather that's that. kind of funny at that point you know it, early on we were we um we would go to beer fest and we'd have some of our beers and just that was one of the things that we like to do like if somebody comes up and like well I, I just don't like ipas and what do you recommend like and then we pour them something like that like oh that's really good what is it that's an ipa so i mean it's just kind of like you know <laughs> yeah but people have that perception that sure. like it's gonna you know piney super bitter which we love that as well yes. i mean i mean piney the elder some of stones you know some of stones work is i mean they're they're, they're fantastic Dogfish but, at 90 minutes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but mm. but you know it's just it's just different so um we like to do that because you know we're we're trying to, you know, we want to educate people. We're trying to convert people to, to drink beer and, and drink good beer. And when it's well executed and it's it's a good product, then people will do that. So um, we kind of mentioned, I mentioned to you earlier about our Blondale. 
you know, it's not a traditional bond. It's uh, actually right now it's pouring really hazy, <laughs> I think. But, <laughs> but um, we we dry hop it with a bunch of hops, but just to kind of give it aroma and flavor. And so uh, it's kind of a gateway beer, trying to get people that normally would drink a Bush Light, Bud Light, nothing wrong with those, but you know, it doesn't have the character, the flavor, the aroma that Hanger Queen has. So that's that's kind of another fun part of it is just to kind of educate people and let people try different things and you know maybe they do like something that they think they don't yeah that's more of a gotcha yeah mm. you try, why don't you try this what else it's wonderful citrusy yeah floral character almost juicy that's yeah. hops <laughs> yeah. turns out you do like gotcha. hops yeah. very nice well that's great one of the things because we have such a burgeoning brewery scene here in the state of indiana i always like kind of like highlighting some of the the newer places so if you guys had to pick a new newer operation other than yourselves obviously in your own blends what are some of the new ones maybe a group in the last one to three years that's come out that you that you like and support and they maybe likewise do for you guys here yeah uh, uh, yeah i'd say goodman house um mm -hmm. they're just cranking out fantastic beer and, after fantastic right. beer and we like we like hazy beers yeah. and they Regardless do they, the they execute it mm. they execute it well but i mean and they have a bunch of a bunch of really good ones so. got me sitting yeah. down with them in april yeah. so yeah. They're, they're, they're great folks and they uh, have ties to Terre Haute also which is mm. kind of cool so yeah you have a Terre Haute tie too right uh, yep yeah yeah i grew up here so yeah, they're they're solid. Um, I mean, there's a lot. Moontown, they've been around a little bit longer. Moontown's they're they're doing some great stuff. Um, I mean, we're we're pretty. You know, we uh, Center Point kind of took us under their wing early on. They they do some really good traditional style stuff. Um, I mean, it's just there's a lot. There's too many to mention yeah. really. Uh, every and everybody's kind of doing, you know, their own their own thing. Triptych is you know is pretty fantastic they're over in illinois but i know that's we're talking indiana but they're not that far sure <laughs> they're closer than some of the, some of the other breweries mm -hmm. um yeah i mean there's there's a there's a lot of good ones out yeah. there so two toms two toms, two toms yeah. some really good beers too no, uh, windmill it's windmill yeah. up in dyer yeah so i mean and, and getting to you know participate in the beer fests and stuff we get to get to meet and in, introduce them more and more of them which is which is pretty cool so and segue to that we're you know we're having our first beer fest here we're co-hosting with our our friends down the street at Terre Haute Brewing shutting down the street in between us and yeah them. Anthony so was telling me about that April yeah. 30th so I mean it's pretty neat we got you know a lot of well several of the breweries that we just mentioned are we're going to be coming and participating so Looking forward to that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Fantastic. Well, I love asking this next question because in my day gig, I work with a lot of different business owners in all types of different fields. And especially from you guys having a career in the military now coming, I always like to ask, is being an owner-operator different than you imagined it would be? Because a lot of guys start down a lane through passion and just ingenuity and, and grit, but then when they <laughs> get the business up and running, sometimes it's a completely different mindset so is being an owner operator different than you thought it would be oh uh, my family we had a family business my dad okay. uh, uh, weemouth and son uh, for many years uh, so I, I guess a little bit i had seen uh, uh, my dad's uh, struggles and successes over the years so i i kind of knew what was happening and just to be clear too i'm kind of a 
you know, I have another job. These guys are all, <laughs> <laughs> these are the brains of brawn. Yeah, that's shiny stainless stuff. Back I'm virtually not allowed to touch. If I walk back there, one of these guys three foot from me to make sure I don't do much. <laughs> but uh, I do think that, uh, you know, with, with that said, you know, we, we'd sit down and talk about these things. And I, there's always going to be a surprise. And, and, you know, there's more coming. Uh, but that's just part of it. The military was, you know, that old cliche, but, you know, overcome, adapt, you know, and, and you learn from it. You know, that's mm -hmm. the biggest thing. Okay, you learn from that, this, uh, and then we move on, you know, and, and understand there'll be struggles and that uh, we keep enough in reserve that we're not, you know, that we're waiting for the next thing to happen, I guess. Mm -hmm. so. I'd say it's, um, I, I think because, we're, we're kind of unique in that none of us rely on this for income. Um, Which is good. And we're all, <laughs> yeah, we're all, with the exception of uh, Butch and his, his day job. Um, the other three of us are retired, so, you know, we don't, we just kind of get to take this from a very, like, I guess, much more relaxed approach than I think most people probably get to mm -hmm. privilege us. And um, I don't know, for, you know, from my perspective, like, we expected, you know, the three of us uh, and Butch when he's here, like, we all chip in on brew days. Um, we, you know, we all, you know, we pick our days, you know, we kind of pick the schedule on, you know, what days are we going to bartend, um, you know, stuff like that. So it's... It's kind of what I expected, um, but yeah, certainly, you know, still learning, still, you know, trying to fill things out. We're only we've only been open a month, so right, you know, we right. we certainly don't have everything figured out, you know, and you know, and the month we've been opened is you know, statistically a, a slow month in in this industry, you know, as far as people in the tap room. It's cold. It's you know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, stuff like that. People aren't out as much. So, um, well, hopefully we'll come out of that very rapidly. Hopefully <laughs> coming yeah. out of the last two uh, years. So right? the yeah. weather's coming and, you know, it seems that, um, the, the, everything of the last two years is almost not even spoken of anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, it just, it, yeah. it was like a light switch. It just turned off and it's not a thing anymore. So, I think we'll pick up and, you know, we'll certainly learn a lot as it gets busier and, uh, you know, things warm up and people start coming out more. Mm. We just want to mention, you know, we've kind of been in a soft opening in this last yeah. month. We're going to do, uh, is willing to say that we're looking at a grand opening uh, coming up next month. I don't know if we've published the date yet, but... Uh, uh, we've, that's not part had, of we've, we've not had good luck publishing it. My original sign said coming in 2020. I mean, yeah. and honestly, that, yeah. yeah, that question is, is a little little loaded because, I mean, it, had you asked this a month and a half ago, like, I don't know. I mean, because, yeah. you know, it was, yeah. it was granted, we, we weren't, you know, we didn't rely on this for income, which was good, but we sure put a lot of money into it. And we had, you know, one issue after another, after another. So when we were finally able to open on Groundhog Day, it seemed very fitting um, for us. And quite honestly, the, you know, the HVAC company 
finished to get the cooler prepped and ready to go. I think they turned it on at 11.30 p.m. for us to open the next day. So yeah. it was like, it was, uh, you know, it's just <laughs> been, it's been one thing after another. So I, I, you know, it's been, it's been stressful. It's definitely, you know, we've kind of taken it in stride. And I mean, we, we definitely have been in some, you know, other hard situations throughout our career, but it, it definitely is. It's it's just not, it's a different feeling to have the doors open, see people in here, drink and talk to people. You know, it, it's it's just different. So I think like to what he was asking, and to the point you just made is that transition from what we used to do to what we're doing now is uh, we've all worked with each other for we've worked with each other, butted heads with each other, <laughs> yeah, and um, on significantly uh, more. Uh, I would say difficult. Important. <laughs> difficult, important is relative to your perspective. But, sure, but we, we, we've we've had to we've had to operate um, at a high level for very different reasons. So when you when you just have to sit in a brewery and make beer and, have yeah. t- and taste test some beer, um, <laughs> it it's, it makes it feel a little bit lighter. Yeah, and what you do day to day. But now we have the stress of it's all you don't have a, an entire wing of airmen supporting you uh, to get the job done. It's just us mm-hmm. getting it done, our families. That's great. One of the, when I worked for SunTrust way back in the day, I had a line of business manager that used to be a Green Beret and he was stationed down in South America. And each Monday morning meeting, they would always ask, how's everybody doing? He goes, well, my socks are dry and I'm not getting shot at. <laughs> yeah. So it's a good day. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's just, it's a different perspective, right? Yeah. yeah. For sure. You know, one of my favorite questions to ask, especially those that come from a homebrewing background, is obviously your taps are your successes. But part of homebrewing is you have failures, right? So give me a funny story around each one of you that maybe had something that you were thinking that came out, you, you thought was good on paper, but just came out dead on arrival. Ooh. About, about everything I made. <laughs> yeah. So the first time you're drinking a bingo, uh, mm-hmm. as am I and John, and uh, we have a picture in front of us. The first time I made bingo, um, uh, well, I'll back up a little bit. The first beer I ever brewed, which was like, you know, just the default that came with my homebrew kit, um, it was a pumpkin beer, and it, it was like, it pumpkin beer should likely be dumped anyway (laughs) and uh, this one was just categorically flawed in every way Uh, but the first time I brewed bingo I was um, at at that point in brewing you know it was maybe two and a half three years ago I'd been kicked out of my house to brew and I was now doing it all in the garage and um, uh, I just I got drunk and I forgot to hop it. And somewhere in my, you know, drunken stupor, I, I realized, hey, I should at least get it into a fermenter. And to this day, it's it is sitting there, right? still sitting in the fermenter. <laughs> uh, because I did not pitch yeast. Um, again, I was, I drank too much. And um, <laughs> it, it soured. It, it got this beautiful pellicle on it. And on one hand, it may be one of the great sour beers of the world. <laughs> <laughs> like on the other, 
I maybe should have dumped it years ago, but <laughs> yeah. um, I'm I'm sticking by it. I'm gonna let it sit and do its thing and. Um, that fermenter may be sitting in there for the new owners when they buy yeah, yeah, your yeah. house. It, <laughs> might, uh, it could have been where it started. It turned out good. I, uh, I just, you know, and, and maybe the worst part is I was by myself brewing that day. So I, I, was, I didn't even have a buddy to get drunk with. I just, <laughs> I just drank too much on my own and, and I forgot to add hops. I didn't pitch yeast. I somehow remembered I should put it in a fermenter. And you know, two and a half, three years later, it's still it's still sitting there in the basement, just tucked back by the furnace, you know, doing its thing. Right on. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> I, I mean, you should have went last. I should have. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I started on a stovetop with the you know the extract kits down in Bloomington, either buying them from uh, Butler Winery or Wormsway, and you know boil overs and just i mean God. it's hard you know not knowing early on not you know not knowing the science and of course you know and this was early two this was like 2000 so that the, the homebrew industry is has also grown as the craft beer industry has grown significantly in the last 20 years homebrew as well i didn't know I didn't know that I was supposed to treat water or use RO. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I, I did, you know. So, yeah, they there were a lot of really bad beers. I, there were some that lot of turned out okay. Done. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, boil overs and all that. Mm-hmm. It, it just, you know, yeah. There's a lot of. There's one thing about brewing, though, and I think one thing that we stick by here is, you know, you can't be afraid to dump a batch if a batch isn't worth drinking dumping yep. cut your losses and and we've done that on our on our big systems i hate to say but i mean it happens but we're not going to try to sell a beer that's not quality and that we wouldn't we wouldn't drink so mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it was a failure but it got me in the doghouse for a minute um, <laughs> i had a imperial stout not unlike what what we've uh, morphed into our house imperial stout and uh I never, had, to that point, had never brewed a beer with that kind of a fermentation profile. And it's an English mm-hmm. yeast strain, which is incredibly active. And uh, a, a wise, uh, a wise home brewer told me to stick it inside of a tote. Your fermenter inside a tote, so if it does mm-hmm. boil over, or not boil over, but if it does froth over, it'll catch in the tote. Uh, it, it, it actually. The, the sugars actually made the, the it clogged up the blow-off tube to the point where the vessel built up the pressure and it blew the airlock out. It spackled <laughs> oh, the wall and the ceiling uh, with the stickiest Russian imperial stout <laughs> residue that you could ever imagine. And then the, the tub, you know, had three inches of beer on the top of it, and I only ended up getting like three and a half gallons out of it. But it tasted pretty good. That said, I don't think Butch has ever made a bad beer. No, no, no. It's probably because any beers I probably never even tried any of the beers that I finally finished. But uh, actually, I, I started early, like I said, these these guys were the, the pros here. And, but I dabbled in it, you know, I was doing the stovetop stuff. And uh, because of the job uh, that I had then, I couldn't spend, you know, I'd be gone home, home for three days, gone for four or five. Well, sometimes you only think you're going to be gone for four days, 
and I came back, and in the uh, in the guest uh, the guest bathroom where I had something aging out, uh, I had the same thing. There was a, uh, a <laughs> slight overpressure on something, and it's not just that it happened, but then it got to sit there for days. <laughs> it took even longer to clean up, and that's kind of what I figured. I'm going to need different time frame or different job so I have time frame to do this right. And so I kind of set it aside until okay. these gentlemen called me here a few years ago. And I get to learn from the best. So. <laughs> we, in, 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 this, in this setting, our, our big, uh, it, it wasn't really a mess up. Well, the one, the actual legitimate screw up, you know, we, we dumped it because it was, it wasn't, it was not, it had no intention of ever being the beer we, we would ever want to serve. Uh, but our second attempt at brewing on this brew house uh, oh, yeah. was our <laughs> it was our house pale ale, and which is called Splash. As I explained earlier, that's when your bomb hits a target. Uh, there's kind of a range, a range. So a pilot doing his maneuvers on a range. There's a rangeism uh, when you when they're making their approaches and stuff. They get a score, mm. and if it doesn't hit within a certain radius, it's called unscorable. Well, that beer, uh, it got oversparged. We collected too much volume. We were under on our density. Mm -hmm. Everything about it, it was supposed to be splash, and it turned into to be a beer that we always wanted to make, which was a very, very sessionable, but very, very strong hop type, uh, mm -hmm. hop forward pale ale. So it was this little fella, I think, was it? it was four and a half. Yeah, four and a half percent. Yeah. Good lawnmower beer. Kind of like an all-day IPA, but a little but, different. But, yeah, yeah a but a lot, a lot more, uh, yeah, not, not the way, way subtler bitterness. Mm -hmm. But we made the beer we've always talked about trying to make on complete accident. And uh, that's, so we called the beer unscorable because mm. that's the term. And then the fact that we were trying to make Splash, which... As a report for hitting target, we missed the target, so we called it unscorable. And then, lo and behold, people loved it. Well, and the funny, like to go into that story a little bit more, there, uh, there are two two fighter pilots that I know pretty close. Uh, Butch is one of them. My brother-in-law is the other. And so, when we're trying to, we knew the beer was going to be okay. It was going to be drinkable and a, and a good beer. Um, and we had some hops that we've been wanting to use anyway that uh, Hopsteiner sent us. And so I called, well, I, I text Butch. I was like, hey, what's it called when you miss a target? He's like, what do you mean? I don't think there's a word for it. So I, and then <laughs> I, my brother-in-law, I, I shot him a text. Like, hey, man, what, what's it called? Like when you, you know, you, you shoot at a target and you miss. And it was like, so this, you know, like, obviously, Air Force fighter pilots never miss the target because there's they don't know the word for it. So then finally, finally, Butch, yeah, finally, Butch is like, well, you know, if you're on the range and you miss by a certain amount, it's just called unscorable. Like, okay, so there is a term for it. Thank you for admitting that. Yeah, so the range like, officer you know, will call and he, he had flown. He had flown. Yeah, he hadn't flown. <laughs> Fighter aircraft for ten years, <laughs> maybe fifteen. It's like, come on, man. Anyway, so that just goes to show how good our Air Force is. They yeah. never, they never miss a target. So anyway, but unscorable. We'll, we'll admit when we miss a target, we miss the target. Yeah. But it was still a real good beer. Now that fortunately, I think we took good enough notes, we can 
somewhat repeated. <laughs> hey, was it Bob Ross used to say there are no mistakes, they're just happy accidents. Yeah, that's right. Name that one Shaq, because that, that was the term again. <laughs> yeah. If you hit the, well, hit the tank in the middle of the bowl, that was a Shaq. So not yeah. a happy accident, but I'll give you just one more story for this one. Um, it was the second or third time I'd brewed beer, and I was still brewing on my stovetop. And it was an Imperial Stout. And it was the first time I experienced that you can boil over. Mm-hmm. And so the boil over ran down the front of the stove. All right, so like a good husband, I cleaned up the boil over, but some of it ran down the inside glass of the stove. Mm. So also like a, I, I guess a good husband, I tried to remove the front glass Ooh. on the stove to clean it. Only to find out that um, that tempered glass doesn't doesn't take much to shatter, and <laughs> it exploded. Glass was from one end of the kitchen to the other. Um, it was a nightmare, and it it cost about two hundred and fifty bucks to get somebody to come put a new glass in mm-hmm. and fix. And I was in the doghouse. Um, Were you drunk in that one? No, I wasn't. I wasn't, I wasn't drunk in that one. No, I was no bar- this, this was this no was days. Yeah, no barley wines. Um, <laughs> Did you get the beer cleaned up? days yeah. before well, barley wine. I, you know, in some regards, I, I got the beer cleaned up. Okay. You know, a brand new glass had no beer stains on it, and uh, whatever. But those shards of tempered glass all across the kitchen, yeah, they were pretty gross. Mm. So it's, uh, it's good. a good thing that I've you know I guess graduated. Careful, careful. You know from. Brewing at home to brewing in a more controlled yeah. environment. Yeah. I'm still yeah. we, no tempered glass around here, is yeah. it? Yeah, well, I'm still there, the one that's prone to, I'm still the one that's prone to messes and um, whatever. But we have hoses and drains for yeah. drains. Yeah, it's, so. it's a lot easier. First thing you put in was a shower. Yeah, right? yeah. 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 Well, the first yeah. things we did is install a shower. Yeah, yeah. Which is a must for any brewery. For any anybody starting wanting to start a brewery, yeah, put in a shower. And then put in an emergency eye wash too. <laughs> you never know when acid or caustic's going to get sprayed all over you. Yeah. Gotcha. I'd recommend a band-aid Band-aid, yeah, band-aid. <laughs> but that's, that's because... Hard hats. That's the, yeah, hard hats. How hard hats are definitely a must. But you got to wear them before the work. That's fun. That's fun. Well, I'm actually this guy's a lot of uh, a lot of established breweries start to go from being a brewery to more of a beverage company. And when I kind of checked out you guys' website, you guys have some goals with ciders and wines. What is the uh, what is the decision behind wanting to be more than just a brewery, but also bring in those those two opportunities and lanes as well? Yeah, I, I think it's just simple as simple as like we want. We want people to be, you know, want to come, and a lot of, you know, not everybody likes beer, so we want to just have one or two offerings that, that aren't beer. So, you know, cider, wine. We won't be a. I mean, we we have our farm winery permit, really just for those reasons. We we don't, you know, if we carry wine, it'll be a couple wines. I think Greg was. Greg makes a pretty good lemon wine ish. I don't thing. know what you call it. Uh, it's 10% alcohol. Yeah. 
It, it's, it'll leave some of your relatives laying in your backyard. It's like, yeah, it's like, it's like, <laughs> it's like hard, a hard, it, like a hard lemonade, but like, you know, but not carbonated. Not, it's, right. It's more it's like just, that. Yeah. But so, I mean, those types of things um, we'd like to do. We are, um, you know, people that don't want to drink will have coffee. I mean, I'd like to venture into soft drinks, you know, hard or uh, like a hard seltzer or something, just to play around with it. Yeah. A mead. We're we're trying to source some local honey to do a mead, just to kind of, you know, just the other offerings. But yeah. we're a brewery first and foremost, and we'll always be that. But we'll, we hope to have a couple other offerings for people that that may or may not want to drink beer. So, and and we've seen that, you know, uh, we had a couple in last week that the the wife didn't like beer, so. We let her try, I think it was, might have been the coconut uh, midnight. Mm. And she she's like, well, that, that's that's pretty good. I could, I, I, you know, a little bit of that's okay. Mm. But so that's, that's kind of, that's really where, where we're at with that. We're, we're a brewery. That's our main focus. Tap room, not a dis, you know, we're not, we're not a little, we're not really angling for distribution, you know, and we, we like to keep it, you know, intimate. Come have a couple beers here, take a four pack or a growler to go. And well, that goes back to that kind of cross cultural reference that I made. You know, we'd rather people come in here and hang out and have have some good stories and yeah, poke fun or make new friends and that kind of stuff. But you know, just offer something. Uh, the idea with the cider and wine, you offer you offer a different um, drink to somebody that may not normally come to a brewery, but it just makes it a little more inviting to yeah. some people. It also gives us access to doing cool things like mead. And, yeah, yeah. Um, mead well, is where I think of all of those like things that fall under the winery permit. I think mead's the one that I could see us getting the most creative with, mm. and you know maybe having more varieties of mead available, similar to the beer. Um, but yeah. Like, you know, Greg was saying, just something to offer a drink to, you know, the person that doesn't want a beer that got drunk here for, you know, at the end of the work day or the wife that came with, you know, her husband that doesn't drink beer. Mm-hmm. So, or showed up because he'd like, been sitting here too long. Like or showed up. Like, like my wife's sitting back there. We don't, we don't have rum or Tito's, so <laughs> yeah. got to have something for it. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's phase two when the wives open their own distillery. Yes. Oh, interesting. I see how the plants come together. I see how the plants come together. Well, I like to, you know, think of brewers as mad scientists. Is there any trends that you guys are seeing in the in the space? You know, we've had a big sour movement. We've had a big, you know, with 420s doing with slushies and stuff like that. Any trends that you guys see as exciting or want to try yourself? I, I hope the, uh, the, the, to call the trend would be kind of odd, but loggers are becoming more and more popular. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's not a trend, it's... Quite tradition, literally, yeah. Quite, quite literally, the only As beer I pour that, one right now. that uh, was made for a number of, I don't know, centuries might be an overstatement, but hopefully that catches on a little bit more because loggers are loggers aren't macro beer. Their loggers can be pretty amazing, mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully, hopefully that catches on. But um, the hop, the hop showcase with the the New England style beers, I think. Is I don't think that's going to go away. No, but at this point, I don't think it could go away. And, I mean, we love we love hops, man. I, I love hops, and so I think one of the 
one of the neat things that you know we have a really um, we have uh, the you know crazy horse hops doing some of their own you know growing some varieties that grow in Indiana and be able to showcase some of those and actually what you know what kind of hops Indiana can produce I think that's pretty cool um, that those types of things so I don't know trends though. I mean, I think the sours. I I, I really like the funky beers. You know, the, the sours like the, you know to make your face crack type sours. Not really. I mean, I, I like a good traditional Berliner. I would like to do one where we you know offer the syrup to kind of add to it. Like you know, the Berliner was the historic German table beer, two and a half percent or so, and then the, the whoever's drinking it can add whatever syrups they want to it to kind of flavor it whether it's you know makes it more sweet and whatnot so that would be kind of fun to do um but yeah i i don't know as far as trends go i i think they're all i mean they're all pretty much yeah. running we'll, we'll figure out we'll, we'll, <laughs> our uh, niche but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll try to read the tea leaves but we're probably still gonna make what what, what people around here want to drink yeah. and the things that we also want to drink. And then, and then classic and, styles. Like, you know, one of the beers that we love to brew and we love to drink is our USB. You know, the, uh, there's not there's not a lot out there. I know that Great Fermentations is pushing their ISB thing. Um, Broad Ripple Brew Pub makes a great ESB. I mean, that's a great beer. It's like I was talking to... I think that's the same beer. Is it? Yeah, okay. I think broader, I think great uh, okay. fermentation gotcha. is selling broader recipe. Anyway, it's and it's and it's a great beer. No it's less. Just, a, just a classic style. It's a it's beer flavored beer. You know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I mean, yeah. I, I, I we you know, I think I, we like to we like the hops, but we also like the traditional style beers. Yeah. So I'd love to like. It'd be nice to gain some of the hype, you know, that you see, you know, around places, you know, and and not. Not that they don't, you know, deserve it, um, but like Goodman, very popular, um, and Goodman does a good job of it. Uh, they do a lot of the New England stuff that, you know, is very popular, but they sneak in these like really well executed traditional styles, mm -hmm. and you know, same. <clears throat> well, I, I I won't go there, um, but yeah, I, I would love to just get a good following for you know the like what's really popular like those are fruit and sours or whatever it is but then like get somebody here that you know get them to try a you know a little four ounce sample of an esb and realize mm. like i really like that beer mm. it's um, been pretty well received yeah it'd be awesome just to sneak in and i say maybe not sneak in but you know just make well executed traditional beers and you know make people that are chasing the popular stuff realize that they like more than just hazy ipas and fruit sours right you know which is you know that's that's popular you know and i love them i i i'm not going to complain if, if i had a well executed hazy ipa to drink every single day like no complaints for me mm -hmm. but I just run out of them because that's usually my go to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just ran out of them. <laughs> like, that's why Splash. That's why Splash was the first beer to go. Yeah. But I mean, we did. We haven't brought back any of the festivals we've gone to. We've taken bought or two. We have not brought any back. So I mean, people people like it, and people 
you know, they just, it's just something they don't see normally. So I think that's kind of neat. There's a little niche, you know, niche market in there for that kind of stuff. And again, it gives you a chance to educate people on the beer and that style and kind of how it, you know, how it evolved. Um, I mean, Greg's been to Slovakia a couple of times um, and you kind of neat thing and, and it's not uncommon in, in old Europe that every town has its own brewery and its own thing. So, mm -hmm. and that's kind of where ESP is similar to that. Cause like that English pub beer, you know, that's what you're going to get. It's going to be, if you say, go in there and give me a pint. I mean, they're going to probably pour you something similar to an ESB or a mild or something like that. I mean, that's, that's what it is. So maybe three different beers or whatever, and there you go. So it's kind of neat, and you kind of get to talk about the history of it and the history of the beer, history of beer and, and you know, that regional thing. So I mean, that's that's pretty, pretty neat about the industry uh, that we're fortunate to be a part of. Fantastic. Well, let me ask you this. So as in my day gig in finance world, everything I do for my clients comes from a foundational base of education, guidance, and counseling. Now you guys are kind of on the front end of coming to soft opening, going to be doing your grand opening. I like to ask all the brewers this question because it's, I get a varied degree of answers from guys that have just started or kind of been out for a few years to those that are well-established, been around for 20, 25 years is what advice would you give somebody that walks in here that has continue to dabble in home brewing, but wants to see what you see what you guys are doing, see what other people are doing, and say, I want to do this for myself. What is the advice that you would give them? By uh, purchase your property. Um, <laughs> yep, that's big. Let's, you know, we, uh, early on, we, we looked at a place in town that was a former movie theater. Mm. And size-wise, it was a great space, mm. or great size. Space-wise, terrible space. It had a big slope in the floor because it was a movie theater. Yeah. You know, and it had movie theater seating in it. Um, but, they, you know, they wanted, uh, you know, seventy, eighty thousand dollars $80,000 a year in rent. And it's like, wow, we, we won't even get to, like, day one of opening, like, paying that kind of rent, you know. Right. So, real estate, um, when we bought it was... <laughs> You know, it, it was, um, I, you know, and I don't know what the prices are like today, you know, with the real estate market being as hot as it's been. But when we bought, we, you know, it, that was one of the best decisions we made was to, to buy our own place. Um, you know, and, and we lucked out, you know, we've got this grassy lot to the south of us. Mm -hmm. uh, that's ours, even though, you know, it's just grass we have to mow right now. And then we have a lot to the north of us, which, you know, so we've got room to expand both with, you know, like a beer garden or something like that to a parking lot hmm. or, you know, whatever. Um, so if, if, if you can, I would say buy property. I think that's been one of the smarter decisions we've made. Right. Don't have to ask anybody if we're going to tear it down a wall. Right. You don't have to request anything from a landlord. You just you do what needs to get done. I think, you know, well, that, that, and it's that, just exponentially cheaper. Sure. Well, that aside, if you can't get, if you can't avoid that, you, if, if, if you're if you're trying to do a brewery, you need to trust your process. Um, and if you're still a home brewer, you gotta appreciate um, time, temperature, and water. Those were always the most important things that mm -hmm. was ever explained to me. And, and as soon as you grasp the idea behind that you're not going to be 
the best brewer, but you're going to get better at it, and that's going to be key in moving forward with whatever kind of goals you have. If you have to lease a building, that it's going to suck, but at least you got the beer to kind of. There are situations where, yeah, there are situations where it benefits you. Um, Yeah, I think both of those things are good. My advice would would be. and, and it really depends, like, leasing versus buying is is a financial decision, too, right? Because, you know, you could get we, – we probably would have been – we might have – we would have been a little further along, depending on what we leased. And if we had the right property, we would have probably been open a lot sooner. But, I mean, budgeting is huge. Um, we've all <laughs> – we've kind of uh, – we kind of joke about now we were our own general contractors that was probably not a great decision it's kind of like the uh, like the like the defendant that you know, represents himself that fool for yeah. so that probably wasn't great but i mean we best general we, contractors i've ever known <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, great group of guys take, you know i would say i would say take your budget what you think it's going to cost multiply it by three no. at least and then take the time that you budgeted and multiply it by two and and you're probably you know that's what's what's going to be real because we we had a good plan we had really good help uh, from some local sources uh, to to help develop our business plan and I th- I think our business plan is good it's just uh, we just you know well and then 2020 happened right so yeah. I want to blame 2020 on everything we we could have been open had we been opened in 2020 I think we would have been fine. Um, you know, we would have obviously changed. We're, we're pretty nimble because it's us four. Like, this is our business. We own it. We don't have to answer to anybody else. We don't have to, you know, make sure. The, we would like the building. We would like the place to pay for itself every month. And if we do that, at a bare minimum, we're, we're going to be fine on that. But, yeah, the, the financial side, um, you know, and the, and the budgeting. Because we, I think we were about three times over budget. I, you know, I would expect if I, if we sat down and looked at the numbers. Yeah, um, I, I, we don't want to do that. Though. No, no, we don't. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> I mean, honestly, though, <laughs> we didn't mention we weren't here for a long Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let bygones be bygones. Yeah. <laughs> but, get, but getting here to this point where, you know, the doors are open, it, it, it definitely is very rewarding. I think it's still it's still a bit surreal to me, you know. Uh, you know, even standing stand behind the bar and slinging beer and talking to people, it's just – I mean, this is this is what we had worked for. So I mean, you know, it's it was worth it. But damn. <laughs> <laughs> well, Greg. Well, last question, and this is the question I ask everybody when I have clients walk through my door or prospects for the first time. I ask the same question to each one: is I'm not a big fan of looking out five years or ten years. I think three years is a perfect time frame where you can show progress and then have a nice look back to say, are we on the right track? So if we were to sit down, guys, for a podcast three years from now, what would you want to see take place for Afterburner? It could be financially, it could be professionally, it could be emotionally, it could be anything. What do you want to see accomplished over the next three years that if we sat down again, we could look back and say, we're on the right track, we're doing, we're living the dream, doing what we set out to do? This would be the first time we're having this conversation, I think, to some degree. <laughs> so, I would think, I would think in, in general, we're, we're getting more involved. Hopefully we're, we're we're getting more involved with kind of the community efforts and the awareness campaigns and stuff that that we want to do as a sense of service. Um, 
hopefully we're doing that uh, without the pressures of opening a brand new business. Yeah. That would be great. You know, if we got to, if we have to expand in some degree, um, I hope we're not the ones that have to do it. We, can, we, can we won't be the general contractor. We won't be the general contractor. We can afford to pay the general contractor. That's right. Yeah. Well, we, we, we just want to, we want to be consistent in making great product and keeping people in here talking about their stories and, yeah. and, uh, and, and uh, just making a good time with it. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, when we, when we saw this property, there was another property that we were looking at that was close to downtown. I mean, I think we all, you know, have been around long enough to see that the development of, of the downtown Terre Haute area. I mean, Terre Haute gets a bad rap because, I mean, there's a lot of brain drain. You've got a couple of universities and, you know, people, kids come to school they, and then they leave. Partly because there's not much for them to do. There's not that culture that they want. They're, they're you know, before we set up here, it's just Terre Haute Brewing, and Terre Haute Brewing has gone through you know some some growing pains as well. So I think we see we see a location that's you know developing, maybe not to the extent like Fountain Square 20 years ago, but but something similar to that. I mean, if if you to walk if you to walk downtown Fountain Square. 20, 25 years ago, you'd have been like, there's no way this is going to develop. And I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying Terre Haute is, is Fountain Square or Indianapolis, obviously, but I think the potential is there. And I think that, you know, the, the development that's going on. So <clears throat> I would like to see, you know, us at least start to, you know, maybe buy some more properties around here, kind of help help the development. I think that just us being here is going to inspire others to, to do that, to invest in the community and in the neighborhoods. And we're only three or four blocks from the downtown area. There's a new convention center that's opening its doors next month or later this month. I mean, so I, I, I personally see a lot of, you know, us being here, right here in this location is really not a mistake. I think we all knew that. I mean, and then we have the added benefit to having our friends at Terre Haute Brewing Company a thousand feet to the north of us. Like, right. you know, the two breweries, like, in, in the brewing industry, that's unique because it's generally not a competition. And the ones that are competitive and, you know, and badmouth really don't, I mean, they, they either don't make a good product or they're just bitter people, <laughs> bitter people. But yeah. having those guys up there, I mean, it, it's awesome. This is this is just great. So I, I see, I mean, I see this whole, you know, from our place all the way up to, you know, to the downtown area expanding. So three to five years wouldn't surprise me at all to see new businesses along along this street and strip. Um, maybe we have some additional property. Maybe we have a, a newer building that we, you know, for production. But I mean, that's you know, kind of like. To Greg's point, we get to that point, we can start giving back, <laughs> big giving back and helping others kind of help bring them up. And, and I, I'd like to see another two breweries in Terre Haute in the mm -hmm. next three to five years. Nice. So, if not sooner. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 12 Points area could uh, use, a, use a brewery. You just got uh, some new ownership at the former uh, 7th Elm area. That'd be awesome if there's yeah. another little group yeah. up there. House. It'd, be, it'd be awesome if uh, you know Moggers, you yeah. know, got a little brew pub in the basement, mm -hmm. and it could be just like you mentioned in Slovakia. You got, you know, you just walk down an alley, and there's a 
you know, a one hectare brew house, like you're not making a lot of beer, but you're you're at least serving something. Sure. Like this yeah, town, I think there's this a lot. town could totally there's sustain a lot that. of potential. This, this little neighborhood mm-hmm. could sustain that. Yeah. That I mean, we're proof, we're proof of that. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, we've got neighbors asking us to expand our parking lot because there's too many people parking on the streets. So, <laughs> hey, that's a good sign of a good problem to have. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we just assume buy the house and, and then park on we've the street. We've had people um, park as far as two blocks away. You know, we're on 9th Street. We've had people parking on 7th Street to walk down here. So it's it's been a good month. Great stuff, gentlemen. Yeah. Well, John, Dustin, Greg, Butch, thank you very much for your time. I enjoyed the conversation, man. Cheers. 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 All right, everybody. Afterburner Brewing, Terre Haute, Indiana. Come see him. Come Come get part of the family. All right. Later. Well, that's it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. For the latest on financial views with local brews, please check out our website at financialviewswithlocalbrews.com. You can also find us on YouTube via our channel there under the same name, Financial Views with Local Brews, as well as follow us on all of our social media platforms like Instagram, Facebook, where you can like and connect with us throughout the craft beer universe that we're trying to explore here in the great state of Indiana. As always, cheers. The next round's on me, and I look forward to seeing you for future episodes. Bye, everyone.